And um, you know we're going to get one proverb. I picked verse 14. A tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. A hard-hearted person lives a hard life. That's from the message. By the way, tender-hearted there is in reference to God. A person whose heart is tender towards God lives a blessed life. Today, uh, we're, we're going to start a new series, and um, the, the, the topic is the word positive. Growing positive is the name of the series. And I, I started this out just thinking, this is something that I feel like, feel like the Lord has kind of nudge, been nudging for a while. And, um, and so I look up the word positive, and I look at see what Webster says about positive. And, and I love the fact that when we start going down through the definition, how these, each of these different ways the word can be defined, how they all have like a spiritual parallel. So we'll read them and you'll go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Positive, yes, it means that. I can see how it means that. But I want you to also put on your spiritual perspective and think, okay, there's a spiritual track to this definition too. So the first one is positive. Okay, In in a photographic sense, it's an image showing light. Like the Lord wants to shape us into his son's image of light, right? True to the original, created from a negative. Wow, is that, that describes me pretty good. I love, I mean, not the first part, but from the negative part. I mean, it, 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 it is. Here's another one, test results, positive test results. A result of a, a test or experiment indicating the presence of something. I like that one too. I, it's positive if you can detect the presence of something in me. I, hopefully it's the presence of God. I mean, that's kind of the point here. Third one, electrical. What's, what's, what's electrical positive? Well, Something with a higher potential than the other points that have zero or negative potential. I like that one spiritually. Too. This word gets better every minute. And then there's the, from the just plain old uh, mathematical value perspective, it's greater than zero. It's greater than negative numbers. It's greater than. And then, of course, there's the definition that you expected that's actually on the top of Webster's list, the first and most common, a good affirmative or constructive quality or attribute. That word positive, our word positive comes from a Latin word, posit. In fact, you probably can think of words that have posit in it, like deposited. And it literally means the laying down of something, the laying down of something upon which you can be sure. It's like kind of like laying down a foundation, laying down a roadbed before you put the pavement on the top. You do these things, you, you posit them, and that's where our word positive comes from. It's like there's this sense of being sure about things, being dependable, being stable, and without question, positive. Sounds really good. And, and so today I want to start a new series with you called Growing Positive. And um, it's, I, I think it's real amazing how easy and quickly I can drift into negativity. And I think that's pretty common that we can we if we we can just drift that way it just can happen you know it's there's almost I think in our culture an epidemic of negativity. I mean it used to be even in political campaigns there was a certain time before they would go negative. That time is you can't see the time it's, it's immeasurably short anymore. People people are seeing the downside of things in life over and over and over again and. Um, I, and over this series, I want to look at six different and I think important um, positive biblical qualities that we can, we can dig out of the word that, 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 that I think the Lord wants to build into us. Gratitude, I'm going to talk about these things over the next six weeks. Gratitude, encouragement, generosity, enthusiasm, and being confident because of who God says we are. 
We're going to be covering these topics. And, and I really believe that if you allow it, if you will allow the power of God's word to transform you, it will. And you're going to see God working in your life in a whole different way, and you'll be growing positive. So that's my goal for this. So today I want to talk to you about optimism. And I, I think some people are just naturally optimistic and other people are just naturally pessimistic. And I think I do both sometimes, but I tend to be more pessimistic. I mean, but I'm just being transparent with you. I mean, an optimist, optimist will look at the verse and say, you know, you know, my cup overflows. And then they'll say, wow, this is blessing is everywhere. It's really great. And the pessimist will look at that. My cup overflows. And man, it's going to be a mess on the floor. It's like, you know, I mean, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, how many of you know somebody like the second one? Don't nudge them. Just none of you know a pessimist? You're afraid because the, the worship leader tricked you by making you raise your hand. So now you won't. <laughs> None of you know a pessimist. Come on. Okay. All right. So, okay. All right. So no trick coming. <laughs> All right. You know me. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. And I think, you know, how many times do we find ourselves in some circumstance and we're looking for a reason to be critical or negative? I mean, think about it. I mean, when you watch the news, when you go to work, you hear people talking about the negative things, the, 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 the things, you know. I mean, and, and then it's, it, of course, not true at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, which it's time for us to go again, honey, it sounds like. Anyway, I, I, I think even, even, even in our own self-talk, it isn't just on the news and at work and with our friends. It's, it goes on right in here, you know, talking down to ourselves. We say, I don't have what it takes. I, I, my life stinks. I just, just can't stand where I am in my life. And, you know, and that just goes on and on and on. The thing is that when we start doing that self-talk, it starts to rub off on the people around us, too. It doesn't just stay there. You know, the economy is doomed. Morals are falling apart. The mariners. (laughs) Teenagers. Don't even get me started on teenagers, you know. Churches are dying right and left, and the government's recording our phone calls, and they're poisoning our crops, and the world is falling apart, and somebody's got to do something about this. I mean... And the fact is, there are a lot of things that are going wrong in our world. There are. No doubt about it. But I'm, I'm not going to put my head in the sand and pretend like nothing's going wrong. But at the same time, God is doing a lot of amazing things. There are a lot of amazing things going on. While there are things going wrong, that's true. There are a lot of things that are going right. And I think this... We will often find what we're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for. And, um, and I think about, uh, you know, a good example of this is a couple of different birds. Um, buzzards, which we call, you know, that's, that's a nickname for turkey vultures. And hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are kind of like, they might be my very favorite bird. I, do you all have a favorite bird? I mean, I, mean, I, I like birds. Um, not that I... Okay, that was really weird. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I like hummingbirds. We have hummingbird feeders at our house, and we've had them over the years, but we've got these really cool ones now. They're kind of like a flying saucer. They're flat and wide with a rimmer on the edge. And what's cool about them is that the hummingbird will come in and sit and drink instead of that thing where they got to fly all the time, you know, and you can't see them. You know, but they come and they sit, so you actually get to look at them. And they do it 
I'm not kidding. And, and so we're kind of, you know, we kind of like our hummingbirds. We, Lisa feeds a lot of different birds. She's a bird woman. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Um, anyway, but we like hummingbirds. So we have four of these feeders, and two of them are just outside my study window at home. And I'm kind of an early bird, and I get up early in the morning, and I... Um, <laughs> and I... Uh, and I... It's dark when I get up in the morning, even in the summertime, many times. I, I get up early, and these hummingbirds are just outside my office window, my study. And before I open the, the slides, the shades, and all that kind of stuff, I can hear them coming, because they hum, but they also click, and they chirp. Did you know the hummingbirds chirp? If you're around them, you'll, you'll know their chirp. And they, they click, and they chirp, and they buzz, and they make those, these noises. And we kind of like, we like our hummingbirds. In fact, we're a little bit nuts about it. We... If it gets really cold outside, we rotate our feeders so there's always some liquid. Okay, whatever. You're not with me. But, um, so we, have, we, we see what's called Anna's hummingbird. Anna's hummingbird is a species, and they're very common around here. They're one of the species that stay here all year round. A lot of them fly away because it gets too cold. But these guys are actually here all winter long. So we're taking care of them. They come in the dark, they come early, and they come and they sit. Now, if you're really into hummingbirds... Um, I suggest you try this. <laughs> They're 80 bucks. I don't have one. I'm not looking for one. But that's cool. I'm just not that patient. <laughs> but... So the hummingbird does its thing and finds what it finds. And then, and then every single day, what is it that a buzzard finds? They fly around and find dead stuff. They find icky, gooey every single day. And every single day, a hummingbird looks for sweet things and finds it. And just like us, these two birds, you can, you can take that good. They, 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 they always find what they're looking for. Scripture teaches this, this principle, too, in, in Proverbs 11. Solomon's talking. He says, if you search for good, you'll find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. You won't find it. It's going to come and look for you and find you. If you want to find negative, if you, if, you, if you want to be miserable, you can search for it, and you will find it. That's what Scripture says. But if you search for the good... You're going to find that as well. And there might be some people, you know, listening to this today, sitting here, and you've already decided you don't like this message series. This is, you know, you, in fact, you don't like this church. Why don't you like this church? Well, because the music was too loud, or it was too new, or it was too old, or the preacher's too old, or the preacher's too young. <laughs> and I don't like this positive, feel-good preaching. I don't like this. Give me something deep and give me something real. I want you to understand, I'm not coming at this from this pop psychology, um, you know, talk yourself into some positive feelings. That's not what's behind this at all. That's not the theology here. I'm not optimistic because of what I feel. I'm optimistic because of what God says. And there's a big, huge difference there. It's important that you understand this, that, that I'm not optimistic just because circumstances and, and everything's going to be fine and swell. Remember that word, swell, you know. Rachel, how are you doing on your term paper? And she would say, oh, swell, Daddy. <laughs> she never even heard that word before today. That's not it. I, I, I'm not optimistic based upon a feeling or not even based on what I see. 
I'm optimistic because of what God says. And so our text for today is going to be um, Romans chapter 8. And I love the book of Romans. And um, I mentioned this to you last week. If you had a chance to read it, you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. It's, it's, uh, it's way full of richness. And in fact, chapter 8 has got so many things in there that um, it, it can't really be preached in a Sunday. We could go on it for a very long time. I actually, as I was reading through the chapter, uh, for reasons to be optimistic, something that God's word says that's optimistic. And I took my little highlighter pen, and um, if you looked at the chapter in my book, you'd find that I marked in that one chapter 45 different good reasons for us to be optimistic. I, 45 of them. I'm not going to preach all 45. I thought that'd be too much, take us forever. And to keep it reasonable, we're going to narrow it down. So we're going to narrow it down to eight reasons I'm optimistic from Romans chapter 8. See how I just did that just now? Is that something? I mean, in just one, one chapter, in just one chapter, um, there are so many, but I'm just going to go over eight reasons why I sh- I'm optimistic, and you should be too. Not based on what I feel, but based on what God says. Number one, because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. I'm absolutely and completely and eternally optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. And uh, Paul says this right at the very beginning in verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. That's terrific news. You can smile about that if you want. There's, you know, it, 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 it's wonderful. Who is it that gets this benefit? Let's keep going. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Wow. So in other words, that promise of no condemnation isn't for everybody. It's for people who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. That's okay. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Those of you who have called on the name of Jesus, you know, you've been made new in Christ. You, your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is secure. It's a very, very good reason. I, and I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but, but I've been forgiven a bunch, a lot. So this scripture makes me incredibly optimistic about the goodness of God because I don't deserve it. You know, I've got this God who shed his blood so that I could be forgiven. He rose from the dead so that I could be made new. These are, these are good things. It makes me optimistic to know that my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Second reason, and I'm just going to kind of, this is going to be kind of like a rapid fire. I'm going to go fast because we got started late, and so I'm going to kind of move along. But second reason, Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. We see that, <laughs> and that makes me pretty happy. Next, verse, verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on the right hand issue, but the right hand was the privileged place. There is nobody that comes between the Father and the Son. Nobody. So there's a lot of requests coming to heaven. There's a lot of people being asking, asking for a lot of things. And while all that's going on, Jesus is sitting right there talking to the Father. Nothing interrupts that. And he's talking to the Father about you. It says he is continually interceding for us. And so interceding. This is, this is, this is, have you ever felt forgotten? I mean... 
Have you ever been in a place in life where you felt like, man, this is terrible? I, I'm so discouraged. God has forgotten me. That's absolutely not true. This scripture tells us that Jesus is sitting right next to God praying for you. He has not forgotten you. So when you're you know, in a situation and you kind of feel like you know, you're hearing from, you know, think of Job, people close to him saying, oh, curse God and die. Your God has forgotten you. That is not true. It's just not true. I'm yelling today. I don't mean to yell. I'm amped up. I'm optimistic. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, if you're wondering what it means to intercede, it just means he's praying. He's praying. And he's, he's, he's right there at the right hand. And I don't know if you've ever, if you know anybody that's, you know, that, that knows how to pray. I know a few people who know how to pray. And every once in a while, um, I've had the opportunity and they'll, you know, it's like you're with them and like somehow heaven opens up and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Quiet down, angels. He's praying again, or she's praying again. You're thinking they, they have that kind of sway and authority with God, and, and they, you know, they pray for you, and you just know. It's like I've had people pray for me, that a few people that I know that have that kind of spiritual authority, it's just there. You know, they'll walk up to you, can I pray for you? Yeah, 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 it'd be great. And they lay their prayer hand on you, and the other hand kind of goes up like some sort of a satellite dish. <laughs> we got the connection going here. And they start praying. And they start loosing things, and they start binding things, and those things are bound, and those things are loose, and you just know that the Holy Spirit is just working through that deal, and things are changing because of that prayer. Thank you, Emily. No, didn't mean to, I mean, thank you for the prophetic word. I mean, things are changing because of that, that prayer. What a reminder for us. Prayer changes things. Anyway, so, I mean... I've known people like that, and they pray for you. Okay, that's a wonderful example. It's nothing compared to what's going on between Jesus and the Father for you continually all the time. It's all the time. And so, I mean, I have really good news for some of you that are sitting here today, and you need some prayer right now. It isn't just powerful people praying for you. It's the Son of God who prays for you. Continually. At the right hand of the Father. He's not sending telegrams from the golf course to God. He's perched at his shoulder. And I'm optimistic because right this moment, Jesus is praying for me and for you and for your circumstance. Okay, number three. My, I'm, I'm optimistic because my future victory is greater than my present pain. Because whatever I'm going through right now, is doing something in me that's going to be positive. It's going to be positive. God's shaping me somehow through this process into an image true to the original coming from a negative. I, I, just, I just love that imagery. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Paul says this in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I suppose, you know, maybe, you'll, maybe you're thinking, well, that's easy for Paul to say. You know, he had things easy. I, I want you to know, if you think that about Paul, you, you, you really don't know for sure Paul's history. He, and, and I don't want to minimize, I think some of you and people I know who are listening to this are going through some very, very significant things right now. Very significant. 
And Paul went through things like that, every bit. Maybe more. I mean, he was beaten and shipwrecked and flogged and snake bitten and left for dead and beaten some more and tortured, all because he loved Jesus. All that. And he says, you know, these present sufferings are just really aren't worth comparing what, what's coming down, downstream. It's going to be really good. And J- James says that to us too in chapter 1, starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So you've got to let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want to say I hate that verse. (laughs) But I don't. I've learned to cling to it. It requires me to change my impatience. It requires me to, in the middle of my pain, say, okay, there's a factor of trust that's supposed to be put in this process by me. And waiting. Waiting's hard. I don't like waiting in the Starbucks line Letting, let alone waiting for my God to do something. <laughs> uh, so I'm optimistic because our God, uh, you know, he's so good and my future victory is greater than my present pain. Not because of what I feel, but because of what God says. Number four, I'm optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. <laughs> Governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. To those of you who you know, have been born into the family of God, you do not need to be dominated by fleshly thinking anymore. You don't need to be. You, know? you can be renewed. You can be transformed by the loving power of God's word. That's where it happens. And, and his word will renew your mind. It does. It, 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 it'll stop your earthly, your negative thinking. It'll stop it. And, and instead, you'll get an eternal perspective that, that, that's based on God's truth. And when we see things from God's perspective, you know, because of his goodness and because of his strength, in the very middle of the trial, in the, in the middle of this, this thing you faced, you'll have a supernatural peace that your intellect did not lead you to. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you, you've been in some sort of a situation before and, and um, it's a storm and the people around you are going, hey, how come you're so happy? How come you're so cool? You know, I mean, you know, how are you getting through this? And you'll say, I'm not getting through this by myself. But my mind has this peace and it's been put there by my God. I mean, it doesn't even really have to be a real big issue. Um, you know, I, I have my little issues and my big issues with God, and I don't think he minimizes the things that I know are, are littler. But, you know, I've, I've been wrestling with God about something going on somewhere, and I, I didn't like the direction and the trajectory the thing was on, and um, so I've been talking to God a lot about it, and, and I had God just corner me one day and say, you know, I love your heart, Terry. It's not your decision. Back up. That's how God talks to me. <laughs> Back up. How far, God? You know, I mean, I, God's loving, but he, he's, he sometimes... If you unscrewed my head and looked, there's a steel rod that goes down my spine and it's 75 feet into the earth. Sometimes I have a will, okay? And God says, Back up. Okay, so, okay. so um, I, I decided to. 
I just decided to. I, I decided to obey God, good thing. But I decided to quit doing this about something which wasn't my decision, and I didn't have the place or the authority to make any difference. And trust God. <laughs> wow, trust God. What a novel idea, Terry. You should preach that sometime. <laughs> First, you should do it, you know. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened. Peace, right there. Because my perspective began to be more like the Father's. It just, I owned something of peace because I wasn't striving about my, my, my negative sometimes perspective. And, and you know, I, I think sometimes that, you know, when we start living boldly for Jesus, and I hope you do, people will, they'll do things. They'll make fun of you. They'll persecute you. They'll, they'll chide you because of your relationship with God. They're going to take shots at you. But the thing is this, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? And that's point number five. If God is for me, who can ever be against me? And that's what Paul says in verse 31. He says, if God is for us, read the, la- the next part of the sentence with me aloud. If God is for us, who can, come on, who can, oh, it's not up on the wall. <laughs> My fault, Sorry. If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, it goes on, he says, verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. That's Romans 8. I think I might have got out of order. My fault. Sorry about that. Oh, you did? Too anxious for the word of God. That's a terrible problem. (laughs) Way to go. The point is, okay, scripture, I'll just read it again. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Wow. I mean, let's call it like it is. Some of you, you know, you know somebody, you can think right now, I know some people who are against me right this minute. And the truth is, yeah, there are going to be people who criticize, like I mentioned. But if God is for us, how much really does the opinion of a few negative people matter? I mean, after all, you know, that's what unloving hearts do anyway, criticize and take shots. I mean, how much does that really, really matter when you know that God has your back, backside? I think here's the thing, though. If nobody's persecuting you, you know, maybe nobody's persecuting you, and I, that's when maybe I would get a little worried. You know, I mean, if nobody's persecuting you, that's maybe not good because, I mean, I just stepped on some toes, I suppose, possibly. But, I mean, when we're boldly serving Jesus, there will be people in the world who do not like it. If God's for me, who can be against me? I, it makes me think when I, was, when I was working on this, it made me remember this time when I was younger and I was playing basketball for a school north of here against a team at a school south of here. Okay, fair enough. And um, so we were at the south of here team at their location and it seemed like through the game that the referees were the fathers of the players on the other team. Okay, it just really felt like that, because I was having a good game, I was scoring points, and I was doing my thing, but I was getting called for a lot of fouls that were not my doing. I'm ticked now thinking about it. <laughs> and, and, and I was really trying to, to do what I could do in the game, and I was trying, I was really trying to please the refs. 
I don't know why I was playing that way, but I'm thinking, okay, these guys wanted to I'd try it, and no matter what I did, they would make my fouls. It was just, it was just, I was getting worse, worse. And then this voice booms out from the, stand, the stands. Hey, ref, that whistle works both ways. It was my father's voice. <laughs> but he was sitting close enough to the bench that the referees thought it was the coach. One of these, you know. So my dad got a technical foul called on the coach. Which I laugh about now. I fouled out of that game a little bit later. My coach said for the second time, because one was on my dad, but didn't even count it. Anyway, I mean, but, but once I heard my father, it had this profound effect on me in this basketball game. I didn't care anymore. I did not care if I got any more fouls. And I went to town. I mean, I just, I was aggressive and I fouled out. My coach wasn't happy about that, but I thought, you know, if my father is for me, I don't care who's against me. If your heavenly father is for you, who could be against you? <laughs> I'm optimi- optimistic because God is for me. He is. He has, he has plans to bless me and to prosper me, not to harm me. He has a plan for my future and my hope. And our God has plans to bless you, not to harm you. And he has a plan for your future and your hope. Number six, I'm optimistic because God's spirit helps me in my weakness. I'm optimistic because when I'm weak, his spirit makes me strong. Romans um, 8, verses 24 and 26, Paul speaking again. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Oh, there's that word again. That's where some of you, though, are right now. You're hoping for something you don't have, and you have no choice but to be patient about it. And you're waiting for God just to be faithful to his promises. God's promised something here. I'm just waiting for the promise to be demonstrated. Verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. The Holy Spirit helps us when we're weak. You know, whenever we're down, God holds us up. Whenever we're hurting, he's our comforter. Whenever we feel alone, he's there with us. Whenever we're weak, the Holy Spirit is strong. When I'm weak, you know, I get to know God in a more intimate way because it's his strength that carries me through. Why am I optimistic? Not just because of what I feel, but because of what God says. Number seven, I'm optimistic because God is working in everything in life for good. You should be optimistic because your God is working in, working in everything in life for good. And here's this, I love this verse, 28. And we know that all things... By the way, that Greek word all, translated means all. It means everything. It means the good things. It means the bad things. It means the mediocre things. It means the things that you're glad that are happening. It means the things that you wish would never happen. It means that thing that is driving you crazy right now. All things. Scripture says he works together in all those things, together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I think this is one of the greatest conditional promises in all of Scripture. It's terrific. I mean, it's a terrific reason. If you're not a follower of Christ, it's a terrific reason for you to get on board because the promise says that God's going to work in everything you face, good, bad, bad, 
up, down, left, right, doesn't matter. He's going to work in all of that for your good. If you love God and you're called according to his purpose, every single thing in your life is going to somehow get transformed into good by God. And I think along with a lot of you, I claim that promise, and I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. And, and, and I expect that his promise is going to be true and faithful like it always is. You know? And you get to that place where you were in a storm, and, and at the time you were thinking, this is absolutely the worst thing ever. And years later, you look back at that, and you say, oh well, yeah, that was terrible and it hurt, but I remember the faithfulness of God. And he took you through something that you would never choose that you'd never want to ever experience again, and he turned it into something really, really good. And I was, I was, you know, you can tell, if you know my temperament at all, I'm pretty distractible. I go on rabbit trails after rabbit trails. Studying takes me forever. And I, and I got to this point, and I started thinking about this experience that we, Lisa and I had. We had some friends that took us to this very, very expensive restaurant in Seattle. And, um, I mean... I, it was the waiters were dressed up way nicer than any of the best clothes in my closet. I mean, they were, it was a pretty snappy place. And when I got there, I sat down, and before I could do anything, the, the waiter, I didn't even grab my napkin. The waiter grabbed it, did one of these, and he starts laying it across my, you know, you know I'm thinking, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, back up, you know. And, and he did one of these to me, and, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And, and Lisa saw that, and before, before she could do anything, she quit, grabbed hers and started doing this, you know. <laughs> Okay, let me fold this back. Hmm, stolen from Alaska Airlines. Honey, you can have your napkin back. <laughs> I'm getting so much trouble up here. So um, anyway, so that's not the point. I just, I just thought I should have show and tell. So I'm sitting there, and they bring these rolls. They're French rolls. You know French rolls. I love a French roll. You crack it open, and the little pieces explode and go all over. I, that's not why I love it. But, you know, you open the French roll and the crumbs, and they, it was a nice linen table. It was really nice. And some of them didn't land on the plate. Some of them, and out of nowhere, this dude that I didn't even know was there runs up. Out of his pocket comes this little brush and this little silver. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it was silver. This little thing scrapes those crumbs and puts everything back, crumbs and all, back in his pocket and disappears. <laughs> and I'm looking around the restaurant now thinking, man, I... Am I the only person that ever spills around? Where'd that guy come from? It's like, that was really weird. Then my little wheels started turning. I wonder. <laughs> so, so I wrestled with the roll a little bit more and spilled some more. And absolutely, that guy was out there again. I was like, okay. I could have played for a while, but the people that I was with were too sophisticated and I wouldn't embarrass myself anymore. But that whole time, here's this guy, he was kind of unseen, he was working, serving, trying to make everything perfect for my dining experience. It's, like, it's kind of like he was omnipresent there. He's doing something good. And that's, that's cheesy, admittedly, but it's, but it's how the Lord, he's not running around chasing your crumbs, but he takes whatever your circumstances are, and his plan is to turn it into something good. He wants the outcome to be good. If you love him and you're called according to his purposes. If you love him and you're not really called according to his purposes because of choice or if you don't really know how to love him and you want to, get on board just to encourage you to do that because this is one of the best, the best promises in scripture. I love it. And it encourages me. 
Because sometimes I'm in things I'm thinking, this, this is terrible. Why is this going on? I don't know. But it's going to be, I, my faithful God will get me to the other end of this. And it's going to be good. And I'm not pumping myself up. I really believe it because it's, it's what I've lived. It's what I've seen happen in too many people's lives. It's what I know is the reality of God. And that's what he's like. You know? Sometimes you don't feel him. You don't see him. Sometimes you think he's not working. But your faith tells you that he's there. Faith tells you, you know, I can trust God because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows how things work and he's working in all things, all of them. And I, I know that this prophetic truth is spree- speaking to some people at this moment. You're hearing these words. I want to say to you that the very thing that is crushing your heart right now today God can take that and transform that into something profoundly good. Profoundly good. And you can be optimistic because he's working in all things to bring about good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Number eight, I'm optimistic. And (laughs) with everything in me, I'm optimistic on this one because, because of this one. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. There's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of of God in Christ Jesus. Verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. There is nothing that's capable that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter where you go, God's there. Psalm 139, you can read it right there. No matter what you do, God still loves you. No matter what happens in your life, God is still for you. You just can't outrun his love. You can't. You you, you cannot do something to cause him to say, I don't love you. You can't. You're not capable. You can't run away from his presence because he's going to chase you down. And I, I think... You know, there, there are probably people hearing this right now that you maybe have this argument right now within your soul saying to yourself, you know, but I've, I've kind of walked away from God. But I want you to know today, your God is running you down. He is chasing you down. He hasn't given up on you. And maybe it's because somebody you know has been praying for you. Somebody's been praying for you. You want to kind of struggle about this topic and maybe you don't like it, but there's something also inside of you saying, you know, I, I still want to believe in God. I, 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 and, and I want to tell you, you, you want to know what that voice is? That voice in your soul, that's a seed of faith that was planted there by the Spirit of God. And that, that faith in you is saying, yeah, there could be bad things that are going on, but God is bigger than whatever you can name. He's bigger than whatever event you can remember having done. He's bigger than whatever challenge you face. He's bigger than any doctor's well-meaning and truthful diagnosis. He's bigger than all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not optimistic because of what I feel or even what I see. I'm optimistic because of what God says. Okay. I'm going to bring this to a close. So I'm going to go list them real quick and we're going to pray. I'm optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. 
I'm optimistic because my Savior Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God and praying for me continually. He's busy. <laughs> I'm optimistic because my present sufferings don't even compare to the future glory that God's going to make. I'm, I'm optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. And because if my God is for me, who can be against me? And because God's Spirit works in my weaknesses. And because my God is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And because there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. I'm optimistic that in these moments, the Lord is speaking to hearts right now. And because of what God says and because of who he is, that I'm going to choose to believe in the goodness of God. Other people around might be acting like buzzards but you choose to be a hummingbird. A hummingbird. And you're going to find the sweetness and the goodness of God where you look. Because God is that good. He's that good. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that out of just one single chapter in your word, there are so many reasons for us to be optimistic that we really can't even teach it on a Sunday. There's just too much to cover there. Thank you, Lord, that it overflows. That cup overflows. The love of God is in the house. I I love that, God. And I pray, and I'm optimistic that you're doing this right now, that your word would be planted in our hearts, in our hearts, and that, God, that it'll bring about some sort of eternal change. God, make us optimistic. Help us, Lord, to become positive images of your son, true to the original, created from negatives. Thank you, God, that you do that. And Lord, I'm, I also want to give opportunity for people to choose to become one of those people where all things can work together for good. doesn't mean that all things will be good. We face challenges, but they'll come out okay. They'll come out good if we love you and we're called according to your purpose. So Lord, I, we pray right now for those hearing these words who would say, I want to get on board with God. I, want to, I just want to get my eternity secure I want to have that settled. You've never opened your heart to the Lord before. I want to give opportunity for you to do that. Here's what it is. Scripture says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So if you believe these things and you want him to be your Lord and you tell somebody you'll be saved, I want to pray for you right now and you don't even have to look up. I'm just going to pray over everyone. But you need to tell someone. It's not enough just to think this and decide it in your heart. You have to tell somebody. That's what the Scripture says. You believe in your heart and you tell someone. So you tell somebody today or tomorrow, hey, I decided to make Jesus be my Savior. I allowed him to be my, become my Savior and King. You don't need to understand everything else. God, let it come with time. Lord, right now, um, speaking and searching in our hearts, for those who would say that to you, I say thank you, God, for hearts that are turning to you in this moment. Fill us with life, Lord. Fill us with encouragement. Fill us, Lord, with the optimism of just beginning to see things through your eyes instead of through our own. And God, one more thing. Help us to rub off our positive, our growing positive optimism upon the people around us. And Lord, help it to be authentic through to the bone, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.